to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. And today we are talking about uh, something that's related to Kim Kardashian, some other celebrities on Instagram, and something that's really actually a little uncomfortable to talk about, mainly because it's literally uncomfortable. It's it's waist training. Yeah, wearing corsets while you work out. Yeah, I, I, there's nothing about that that sounds great. I'm I'm a very heavy exercise breather. Like I'm I'm embarrassing. I'm it's it's embarrassing for me and everyone around me. Like on the treadmill when I'm running, I can't imagine how much worse it would be if I were wearing like a restricting garment around my middle. Yeah, I don't think that you would get too far on that treadmill. No. Sounds like you might just pass out. You'd need a fainting couch, perhaps, yeah. next to the treadmill mm-hmm. so that you could gracefully fall. In my modern day corset? Yes. And Caroline, I've been wanting an excuse to learn more about waist training, not because I am interested in training my waist, um, but because I've been seeing billboards around Atlanta really? for waist trainers. Oh, yes. I've seen some billboards and some girlfriends of mine have mentioned it. And I mean, I, I'm aware of Kim Kardashian and <laughs> I may or may not follow her on Instagram because that's that's just what you do. And she and her sisters take selfies every now and then of them wearing these waist trainers. And it has partially things to Kim, but also to stars like Jessica Alba and Amber Rose. A lot of other women have turned to waist training. And it's also become one of those cottage industries like selling scented candles or (laughs) perfumes or Tupperware out of your home. I'm serious, where women are now selling them too to their friends. So it's a whole little little industry that's bubbled up. That's really interesting because unlike Tupperware, which actually does keep your food fresh, waist training does not actually help you get in shape. Oh, but waist trainers would beg to differ. And they may beg, but I will decline. <laughs> well, this is going to be be a highly heated conversation. <laughs> it sounds like heated because, well, you got to work up a sweat yeah. to burn off. I am literally sweating in my corset. Are you wearing a corset right now? No, just a mental, the mental bombs. Well, it is true, Caroline, that if you wear a corset, it will change the shape of your waist. Mm -hmm. It absolutely will. Now, of course, when you take off that corset after a while, it's a different case. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, Generally speaking, the notion of waist training is something that women have been doing for a long time, ever throughout the history of corsets. Uh, this was more technically referred to as tight lacing, of lacing your corset and wearing it in such a way to achieve a smaller and smaller looking waist. Yeah, whereas today it refers particularly to exercising, wearing a, a sort of a belly band type waist trainer New AG. That sounds like it's Enya. An Enya corset. You are an, you are an Enya corset. It's so, so peaceful. But the one that, that I saw Kim Kardashian wearing in a lot of pictures, it, it's not like she's wearing, you know, the silken whalebone corset that Victorians were donning in, in the corset's popular age. She's wearing something that's, it's like, it's like a sporty corset. It's a sporty corset, but a lot of them are still steel boned and restrict 
your mobility. And for intensive waist trainers, you not only wear them to exercise, but it's also recommended that you wear them four to six hours a day during your daily routine. If you're really intense about it, you'll even sleep in the thing, if you can manage to sleep in it. Yeah, and it's supposedly wearing this corset, whether you're working out in it, sleeping in it, or all of the above, is it's supposed to promote water weight loss around the midsection and make it almost impossible to eat a regular-sized meal. I mean, you know, if you're feeling super constricted and your stomach's pulled in and you feel like your whole rib cage is kind of getting sucked in, I bet eating like a big cheeseburger dinner isn't going to feel like it's the best idea. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. It makes it physically impossible to stuff yourself. Yeah, and so anatomically speaking, the whole goal is to narrow that space between your hips and your ribcage. And expert corset maker and wearer Autumn Adam, speaking to Racked, swears by not only the waist slimming effect of wearing a corset, more a corset than a Kim Kardashian-style waist trainer, but also just the impact of standing up straight. Well, I can see that. You want a posture posture helper. Yeah. I mean, the pop, but when you sit up straight, it naturally causes you, as my mother taught me growing up, <laughs> it teaches you to hold in your stomach. You mm-hmm. naturally constrict those abdomen muscles a little bit more. Um, but it is important, as we're talking about waist trainers and corsets, to not confuse fitness-oriented waist training with fetish-oriented tight lacing because when it comes to modern corsetry, some people will wear corsets as we think of them in the more Victorian, Edwardian context for historical garb, but some also will wear them for fetish purposes who really enjoy that kind of tight lacing. It can be a form of bondage and Kelly Lee Decay is someone who knows a lot about this and does not want to be associated with waist training. Yeah, she has a teeny tiny waist when she puts on her corset. It's just 16 inches. And she is no newbie to this whole thing. I mean, she's been wearing this teeny tiny corset for seven years or more. Uh, she says, I'm not a waist trainer. I'm a tight lacer. I'm a corset fetishist and my tight lacing goes beyond vanity. I love the artistry in the construction of the corset and the people who are a part of that culture. So no, Kim Kardashian and Kelly Lee Decay are not pursuing the same end. Yeah. And in that interview with Cosmopolitan, Decay goes on to clarify how, yes, she's also a feminist, that this is part of her body image and expression and her mm-hmm. sexuality and it's all part of the same thing. So um so it's kinda interesting to see all of the conversations that crop up anytime any sort of corsetry is mentioned. Yeah, she definitely mentions the whole the whole choice politics thing in her feminism of, you know, you might not agree with this, you might not like this, but you don't really get to tell me what to do with my body. I enjoy having a sixteen inch waist, so that's that's how that is. And she claims it's very comfortable, well, which probably after seven years of wearing a corset, you, you get used to it. And as expert corset makers will tell you, if you have one that is fitted properly to your body, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be as uncomfortable as we would imagine. Yeah, a lot of corset makers really hammer home having an understanding of anatomy. Because ideally your organs would not be squished or, or malformed or anything like that. Um, 
So hopefully when you're buying your corsets, you're buying it from somebody who knows what they're doing. But there is always the advice to buy one first off the rack before you get one specialty made because your waist just nips in so fast. Yeah, apparently. Well, and I think the corsets do stretch out to a degree, I guess, unless they're steel bound. Yeah. Maybe that's the whole thing of buying it off the rack first, see how you like it. And so if it does stretch out, you can just toss it. You can just throw it away with all your bras. <laughs> yeah, just burn. Burn the corset. Burn the corset. That's what Victorian feminists were doing. Well, we speaking of corsets, we need to give a little bit of corset history because while waist training is a new exercise fad, it isn't anything new. This idea of using this kind of specific shapewear to alter our feminine silhouette. Yeah, women in Crete uh, about 3,000 years ago are actually thought to be the first women to don these corset-like body-shaping garments that covered the waist and hips. So not exactly what you would think of when you think of that stereotypical Victorian corset, but still a body-shaping garment nonetheless. But speaking of Victorians and their corsets, we did get a lot of great perspective from articles at our own website, HowStuffWorks.com, but also Collectors Weekly, which we've cited a number of times on the podcast. And a lot of corset fans, as well as these articles, do point out that there are a lot of sort of corset-wearing myths out there. Yeah, the notion that Victorian women had their ribs removed in order to achieve tinier waist is complete myth because, A, the medical technology at the time would have made that a very high mortality rate kind of operation. Um, and corsets, though, were a lot of times worn, particularly for wealthier young girls, from an early age. And in that case, they might permanently bend the rib cages because if you think about the growing, developing body, if you're wearing this kind of shapewear in the same way that you might think of foot binding, yeah, it can, it can alter that anatomy as well. But no one was pulling a god in the Garden of Eden and like ripping out a, a rib here and there. No, no. Pulling a god. Pulling, pull, always pulling a god. Always pulling a god. Well, I mean, yeah, we read this thesis um, by Catherine Marie Klingerman called Binding Femininity, an Examination of the Effects of Tight Lacing on the Female Pelvis. And Klingerman does mention that both girls and boys wore these sort of binding garments for a while in childhood because it was associated so strongly with proper development. And so not only was the corset part of proper attire for a lot of girls and women, but it was considered part of normal, healthy development, making sure you grew up tall, straight and strong. Um, and scoliosis in a lot of cases, according to Klingerman, was blamed on not being properly laced up into your shaping garment. Well, and these days, if you do develop scoliosis, a lot of times you will wear a corset-like back brace, which is not the same thing as a waist trainer. Right, exactly. And speaking of today and waist training... There's not a lot of, of good opinions of it when you, when you ask doctors about the topic. For instance, Leslie Heinberg, who's the director of behavioral sciences for the Bariatric and Metabolic Institute of the Cleveland Clinic, explained that, hey, you know, if a woman wants to wear Spanx to get a smoother look, that's understandable, but wearing a corset isn't a good choice for weight loss intervention or even 
physiologically. Not a lot of doctors on the side of waist training. Yeah, uh, Dr. Caroline Apovian, who's a professor of medicine at Boston University School of Medicine and a spokesperson for the Obesity Society, has been pretty outspoken against waist training. Uh, she told Health.com, in my opinion, it's complete nonsense. And other doctors as well, like Nicole Florence, who's the co-director of Memorial Weight Loss and Wellness Center at Memorial Medical Center, highlight how even though you might might be seeing a different, more eye-pleasing shape on the outside. The reshaping that is going on on the inside isn't so good. Um, and Dr. Florence, speaking to Ebony Magazine, highlights how restricting that movement in your midsection can also restrict your lungs, which can lead to lung problems, as well as restricting your bowels, which can cause constipation, which makes me think, are we trading (laughs) a smaller looking waist temporarily for not being able to poop? (laughs) Well, and lung infections... But I'm not being able to poop and not being able to poop. Yeah. So you're you're slimming things down just so that when you take it off, things are a little bloated. Yeah. I mean, and on top of that, there's a possibility of bruising mm-hmm. and rib pain. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're not necessarily breaking any ribs to do this. And um, old myths about wearing corsets, like misshaping your liver and giving people tuberculosis aren't true, but it's still not very healthy overall if you're wearing them every day for the recommended four to six hours. Oh, and by the way, if you want to get real results, then go ahead and sleep in it too. And one thing in reading about all of this that was in the back of my mind the whole time was the issue of like, okay, well, if you've got this outside force supporting your middle all the time, does that not just make the muscles that are meant to do that anyway get weaker? And I was really concerned about this fact, and I looked it up, and there there is some stuff on on like the bariatric belly band websites about like if people are using that those types of of cinchers for non approved medical use, that, and they use them for too long, then it can cause some of those muscles to get weaker because that's what your core is your your core your natural corset is to to hold you up and and make sure that you are sitting up straight. Well, and it's probably going to be more challenging to strengthen that natural core. Caroline, if you develop something like, oh, I don't know, a hiatus hernia, which at one point was a a certain type of it linked to tight lacing in the Victorian era, was named for Dr. Samuel Thomas von Summering, who warned against the health dangers of tight lacing and finally got a hernia named after him. (laughs) So... He got that. He got that that <laughs> feather in his cap. It can also cause Glenard's disease, uh, which comes about if you are a long term tight lacer, and it is marked by that muscle atrophy. But not only that, it's marked by a shifting of the organs away from their natural position. That sounds horrifying. I want my organs to stay where they are, where they're supposed to be. I know. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I already have no idea what's going on in there, and that weirds me out enough to no. imagine them moving around. Well, because, I mean, you've already, think about it, you've already got your uterus floating around. Oh. And so it's already pushing the organs around, Kristen. Well, speaking, Caroline, this is a total side note, but speaking of your wandering womb, mm-hmm. guys back in the Victorian era, a lot of them actually weren't huge fans of corsetry because tight lacing 
was uh, uh, thought to be a cause of hysteria. So if you're if you're squeezing your crazy ute around, uh, your crazy ute too tightly, excuse me, then whew, it might make you crazy. But isn't that funny though? Isn't that funny that yes, that's an extreme example, but so many things that women do to sort of fit what society tells them they're supposed to look like. In this case, literally fitting, like literally tying a corset around themselves to to fit. Yes. I mean, this is what waist training is today, and it's what we've been doing for hundreds of years now, just Mm -hmm. wearing different kinds of shapewear and moving our bodies or not moving our bodies in certain kinds of ways in order to emulate an ideal. And right now, I mean, think about the kinds of more quote-unquote bombshell silhouettes that are in vogue. It is Kim Kardashian and Dita Von Teese and Christina Hendricks and Nicki Minaj and absolutely nothing wrong with those women being seen as sex symbols. The question is, how far are we going to go to try to look like them? And when we come back from a quick break, we'll talk about more ways in which that waist training really doesn't work. If you go into Instagram and search the hashtag waist training, you will get so many photos, Caroline. I sat there for a good, let's just say five minutes, which oh, is a whole minute. It's a long time yeah. to look at waist training photos and videos. And there are so many selfies. That's the whole thing, too, is that this waist training fad is not just about working out on your own. It's a very public performance as well because you got to do the the selfie. Kim Kardashian does the selfie, so you got to take the selfie. And of course, also, if you are one of those people selling waist trainers, then you definitely got a selfie to show off, hey, ladies, look at me and my trainer. Don't you want to look like me? Let me sell you one. If it if it really worked, would would you need so many selfies? Well, that's an excellent question, but I also think that it's just part of the entire fad mm-hmm. and our entire culture today. Because think about fitspiration, mm-hmm. workout selfies in general. I mean, the times that I have unnecessarily seen photos of Snooky weightlifting, <laughs> it's bizarre. Are you, are you following Snooky? Caroline, I don't know. Maybe I have my indulgences on Instagram. Thank you. No, I like, I like, I like, I like it better to imagine that you're just like being bombarded with like snooky workout pictures. Like wherever you go, it just like pops up. You just can't avoid them. It's all pop up ads all the time. But in real life, they just pop up. Yeah. On the sidewalks, in the bathrooms, in my closet. Um, but, but it's true though, like, there are those particular kinds of celebrities, in quotes, or fitness Instagram stars who, who are constantly posting photos of themselves working out. Does Kim Car- legitimate question. Does Kim Kardashian have her own brand of waist trainer? No, she doesn't, but I have a pet theory that the Kardashian sisters initially got into just kind of testing the waters of this whole waist training thing because corsets with a K is a Kardashian product waiting to happen. Would I wonder if the K's would be backwards, like somehow. 
I don't know how that would work. Somebody who does logos, I'm sure you could figure it out. Are we already working up the logo for Kardashian corsets with a K? Absolutely. I want to get in on this on the ground floor. Well, Caroline, I mean, I will say if we want to beat them to the punch, CNC. C, 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 Kristen and Caroline's corsets. But, uh. Yeah, no, yeah, because that's how those things are really spelled, so. Yes. Yeah. But actually, it's just a pizza shaped like a corset. <laughs> Help, treat yourself, you know. <laughs> well, okay, so the people are dying to know, and I'm, I'm a little curious too, because I am such, I'm, I'm one step beyond skeptic, which is a poo-pooer, I think, oh. a professional poo-pooer. I think it's hashtag disdain. So. <laughs> So I need I need to know and the people need to know if these things actually work. Well, here's the thing. Okay, there are other people that I have talked to who still swear up and down waist trainers work. I mean, you have Jessica Alba who famously told some tabloid sometime that right after she had a baby, she wore a waist trainer and it shrunk her uterus back to its pre-baby size. And here are the Waste training myths that we need to debunk. Because listen, listeners, why waste any time in our lives wearing an uncomfortable corset and getting just sweaty stomachs? It's hard enough for me to wear pants. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So the fact of the matter is that waste trainers just compress your stomach and push fat around. They don't actually get rid of the fat. Right, because what gets rid of fat? Eating healthier, eating less fat, eating less, exercising, getting active, burning those calories. Working that core. Working that core. Well, there was that trainer talking to Harper's Bazaar magazine that we read saying, it's not just about wearing it. It's about exercising while you wear it to help spot reduce the stomach. And here's the thing when it comes to spot reducing, that is not actually possible. That is not not how our bodies work. If your stomach gets really, really, really sweaty as it does when you wear this thing. Or when I'm wearing pants. (laughs) Or when Caroline's wearing her (laughs) trash bag pants every day to work. She's very loud. She just swishes all around. That doesn't mean that your stomach is the only thing that's going to reduce. Right, right, right. I mean, we we touched on that concept in our in our episode on cankles. Yeah. And that you you can't there is aerobic exercise and strength exercise and stretching exercises that you can do for your whole body that will benefit your health overall and might shrink a dress size or whatever, but you're not going to s- Spot reduce an ankle or spot reduce a stomach. Sure, you can do all the sit-ups and crunches and ab work in the world, but you still have, you're still going to have, if you have fat, you, you have fat. It's not just like going to be like, we're going to migrate to the arms and the legs instead. Let's go, fat cells. Here we, here we go. We're clearly Let's go not, straight to your boobs. We're not wanted. Let's go elsewhere. Let's go straight to your butt. You're welcome. If only that is how it worked, if you could just kind of... I think our little impression of fat cells just made me like them a little more. Oh, hey, Caroline. Yeah, hey. Just gotta hang out here. Okay, stay in the boobs. Don't go anywhere else. Stay put. (laughs) And the thing to keep in mind is, too, if you do wear a waist trainer and you're exercising and you're saying, all of a sudden, my body is so much slimmer. It has to be that. Think about how much you're eating. Yeah. You can't eat as much when you wear these things. So 
yes, your body will very much change, probably change shape in, in some way or another by virtue of wearing these, but it's not uh, uh, the healthiest way to do it. And when it comes to that post-pregnancy weight loss factor, the uterus shrinks in its own time. Yeah. Squeezing it back down is not how that works. Well, and we should mention, too, that there are medical reasons why some people might wear mm-hmm. a corset-like garment. Yeah, we mentioned earlier wearing a brace for scoliosis to help straighten the spine or wearing non-surgical lap bands for people who've had bariatric bypass surgery. Um, I mean, scoliosis braces are designed to actually support your bones. They're not meant to reshape anything internal. And you also have to keep in mind that bariatric patients are also adhering to specific dieting regimens. It's not like people are just handed some sort of band or support device and like magically they're better or thinner or or whatever. Um, There's more that needs to, to happen to change your body. Well, I wonder, though, if part of the waist trainer appeal is how wearing it when you go to work out, you do look thinner. Maybe it psychologically tricks you into wanting to work out more because you're instantly seeing results in quotes. Yeah, I mean, a total placebo effect, perhaps. We've seen that with compression garments, too, with for, for athletes. Yeah, and speaking of compression garments, there's also increasing research that that kind of apparel that ostensibly improves blood flow during workouts is also placebo effect. It might be good to wear after a workout to reduce swelling. Yeah. But unless your doctor has recommended that you wear those calf compression socks or the armbands, I mean, you can, I feel like you can get like a whole head to toe suit, scuba suit, if you really want one now. They're so popular that it's, Really just our minds tricking us into thinking that we're getting more bang for our workout buck. Yeah, because this study we read about that NPR reported on, they, they gave compression garments to a bunch of athletes and told them to, you know, go work out or go work out without them, see how your workout's affected. And the only people who actually performed better with the compression garment were the people who already believed that those garments would help them. Is it a little like Emperor's New Clothes going on? It is, but like super, like more, more sassy. More sassy and so expensive. And yeah, a little shiny. Yeah. And shapewear, a la Spanx, are not off the hook either. No, wearing Spanx is not the same as wearing a waist trainer. But if you wear shapewear, especially super, super tight shapewear that is probably too small for you for hours and hours at a time, is not doing your insides any favors either. No, and I just think about those interviews I've read with celebrities on the red carpet who are like, shh, I'm wearing two pairs of Spanx to really suck it in. And I'm like, can you feel your toes? Can Please tell me, can you feel your extremities? Are you okay? Well, here's the thing, Caroline. My answer would be no, because I prefer to wear the Spanx on my toes to really get that slim, <laughs> slender look, you know, for sandal right. season. Right. To, to really get those finger toes. My toe love handles are out of control. 
Well, you got to wear blousey shoes. It's true. The puffy shoes yeah. are so forgiving. The ruching right. really hides hides the curves. Yeah, and in a, in a nice zebra print, you, you won't even see mm-hmm. them. But no for reals. Um, that whole shapewear thing, wearing it for extended periods of time, like Kristen said, while it may not be as serious an effect as wearing a corset, wearing a waist trainer, it's still going to have an effect. It's still going to result in a compressed stomach, possibly compressed intestines and colon. You also could experience things like indigestion and shallow breath. I can vouch for the shallow breath thing of putting one of those things on, like those suckers, and you gotta like, you gotta give yourself an extra three hours to get ready just so you can lie down and pull it up so it gets like right under your boobs because you still want to be wearing just like a pretty bra over your your freakish shapewear and by the time you finally get that sucker on you're sweating and you're like i i want to take a deep refreshing rejuvenatory that's not a word breath uh, but I can't because I'm being sucked in and my colon, who knows where that went. Well, and then, Caroline, if you start to feel tingling, numbness, or pain in your thighs, it's probably due to peripheral nerve compression, which is also related to wearing shapewear for extended periods of time, which can also lead to blood clots. So oh, great. And you mentioned being sweaty and this thing covering a large portion of your body. Folks... Shapewear also leads to yeast and bacterial infections because it's not very breathable. You're getting some moisture in there and follicles can get clogged. I believe folliculitis is one of the most common conditions that dermatologists are now seeing among women in particular who wear shapewear mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. Your skin's got to breathe. Your skin's got to breathe. It's the largest organ in your body. And yes, I don't know if we just blew anybody's mind, but you can get yeast infections and yeast colonies on your skin that are not just in the vaginal area. And for people who experience irritable bowel syndrome, beware shapewear because especially due to that intestinal compression that happens it can be it, it can throw that that balance off even more and when it comes to our urinary tract health a lot of times when women wear spanks they report resisting the urge to go to the bathroom because you don't want to have to take that whole thing off and then have to put it back on again and oh. so we hold our pee to put it scientifically which can promote UTIs oh mine had a hole Really? Yeah, mine mine were open crotch, like much like Queen Victoria, but so much tighter. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, but it's still awkward because you you still don't want to pee in them because it's not like it's just fully open and there's a lot of kind of wrangling and maneuvering that has to happen. And so, well, yes, in in the pair that I possessed you might have been able to pee. It's not like it was completely unimpeded, and so you might still end up holding it. Unimpeded? Yeah. <laughs> that was unintentional. I mean, doctors say that, listen, they're fine for special occasions mm-hmm. if you need to walk the red carpet, wear your Spanx. <laughs> like or, I do all the time. Or whatever brand of shapewear you prefer. But wearing it every day and wearing it super-duper tight is just hands down not great for your body. And circling back to waist training with all of this, the best thing that you can do for your body is exercise, strengthen your core, work those muscles, and 
eat healthily if you yeah. can. And you know what? If as you're doing that, your body shape does not conform to the hourglass that is popular right now, first of all, wait five, ten years and another shape is going to come in style. Yeah. And second of all, it is perhaps time for us to reevaluate how these aspirational body types can really wreck our own body images and our own health. Yeah, I mean, this isn't the first time on the podcast that we've said that it's probably not a great idea to think of bodies as trends. Everybody is a different body, and that's all right. And, you know, as long as you're taking care of yourself, you know, I think you can leave the waist trainer behind. And awesome that people who are waist training are exercising. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Just take the waist trainer off, because even if you might see results immediately, if you stop wearing it for a few days, a couple weeks, your body will resume its pre-waist training shape. Yeah. So it's just like crash dieting. Yeah. And I mean, Kristen, you know, I, I bet before too long when you when you log into your Instagram account, uh, you won't even see Kim Kardashian wearing that or Snooki or... Whoever is bombarding you with their exercise images, it'll be something else like in a year from now. Yeah, but I will say one other disturbing thing about this is that it's not just women doing it. Teenagers are doing it as well. Right. We Girls, did, don't waste train, please. Yeah. We did read that one article from the doctor who saw the young girl who had developed all of this numbness because she, in addition to her entire soccer team, were wearing shapewear under their soccer uniforms. No, it's not worth it. We need to love our bodies. Yeah, especially, especially if you're already using it to be active and athletic. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no need for shapewear on the soccer field. And there are ways to wear and enjoy corsetry mm-hmm. and even shapewear. Like we said, special occasions, totally fine. We get it. But it's reaching this like fever pitch that is a little concerning to say the least. Yeah. So we, I know there's got to be at least some waist trainers in the audience. And I really want to know from you what you think about all of this or if there are any corset fans who are so tired of people confusing corsetry as you wear it with waist training. Let us know all of your thoughts. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com is our email address. You can also tweet us at MomStuffPodcast and message us on Facebook. And we've got a couple of messages to share with you right now. Well, I have a letter here from Nicole in response to our Electronic Women episode. Uh, she says, well, I'm no longer active in the scene. I used to be heavily involved in electronic music in the 1990s and into early 2000. I was one of the few women, to my knowledge, who was actively writing and releasing electronic music at the time in the scene I was involved in. I ran my own studio full of synths and Mac-based sequencing and recording programs, a record label, and released electronic music here in the States as well as in Europe and Japan. Ooh, go Nicole. I want to clarify some t- terminology you brought up in addition to expanding some ideas about what electronic music is today. 
I noticed you all use the term DJ to speak of modern electronic music. DJ, of course, is for disc jockey, and while I was creating music, DJs were typically the people who were behind the turntables, spinning music other artists created. Usually, and this wasn't always the case, they were not the ones creating the music themselves. When I was composing music using synths and computers, I never called myself a DJ, even while I worked with some of them on occasion, creating music in their shows. DJ was a label that did not show the scope of what I and many of my contemporaries were doing at the time. Square Pusher, Apex Twin, Richard Devine, and many others. While much of the work we were all doing in this intelligent dance music scene had an element of dance music, it was more complicated and nuanced than what was coming out in clubs and raves, thus the term intelligent being used to describe it. So I believe electronic musician might be a more appropriate term to use to distinguish between those who spin and those who compose music that DJs use in their shows, in addition to the other types of music they create that aren't for the dance floor. Also, it would have been great to bring up the role of electronic music in today's film scoring. There is a scarcity here of women, sadly, but I think that by relegating electronic music today to existing only in the dance music scene as controlled by DJs, it's limiting. Composers, especially for small-budget films, rely heavily on the use of electronic equipment to sequence, orchestrate, and score the pieces they do for films. I hope this helps expand some of the concepts you all brought up. Thank you, Nicole, and obviously the 10-hour podcast that we did on women in electronic music could expand to fill a month. And so we are so appreciative of people like you who are sending us in all of this wonderful extra information. Well, speaking of expanding our insights, I've got an email here from Alexandria about our podcast on Dolores Huerta a little while back. She writes, I've been listening to your podcast for a few years now, and I love it. I bet you get tired of hearing that. And P.S. Nope, <laughs> never do. Um, she writes, I do have some comments regarding your Dolores Huerta episode of some time ago. Yes, she is a strong Latina woman. Yes, what she did had a profoundly positive effect on our country. And yes, as a transplanted New Mexican, I'm even more proud and even a little bit ashamed that her students aren't taught who she is. However... There is a long, very long history of strong Latinas throughout the Southwest and Mexico. Two examples that come to mind are the women of the Silver City Miner Strike and the Soldaderas. The Silver City Miner Strike in the early 50s would not have been successful without the hard work and dedication of the Latinas who took the men's places in picket lines and even struck for improved living conditions. The soldadera, while sometimes forced into what amounted to slave labor, were a group of strong Latinas who cooked, cleaned, and took care of men in every imaginable way, including fighting alongside them. I guess what I'm saying is, is that this si se puede attitude is something that is a characteristic we see in Mexican and Mexican-American women throughout history. Dolores Huerta's work is and has been wonderful, but she comes from a long, long line of hardworking Latinas who know how to pull their own weight and the weight of their entire family, men included. Keep up the great work, Alexandra. And thanks so much for highlighting those women, Alexandria. And if you, listeners, have women you'd like to highlight or waste train notes you'd like to send our way, momstuffathowstuffworks.com is our email address. And for links to all of our social media as well as all of our blogs and videos, including one on feminist waste training, then you know where to go. It's stuffmomnevertoldyou.com. 
this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 